clubhouse. This is Caroline. This is Steph. This is Sheila. And this is Mike. Welcome to the I Know This Much Is True podcast. Tonight we're talking about episode five, the penultimate episode. This episode goes out to all the sons of Mother Italy. How are you guys doing? I don't know. How are you, son of Mother Italy? This was not a great look for Sicilians. That's for sure. (laughs) I am so curious. Are Sicilian women so simple? Is that a thing? Did not seem like they were. My understanding of Sicilian women were much along the lines of Ignazia. You know, oh. cut your dick off while you slept. Don't take yeah. shit. Spitfires. Fiery. I thought yeah. that was hilarious. That simple women make the best wives. I don't know. Is it true? Do you feel like simple women make the best wives? Well, I mean, they cause less problems, I guess. Well, shit. Yeah, yeah. right. Then in that case, simple people of all sorts right? would make the best spouse, wouldn't it? I sent this <laughs> TikTok uh, video to my friends and it was like, said there's two kinds of people in a marriage that make a marriage work. Like it's not given 50-50 or 100%, 100%. It's one boring person and one crazy person. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> so, that was hilarious. Balance each other out. <laughs> you just have to know which one you are, Exactly. Right? Hmm, you have I'm, to own it. I'm definitely the crazy. Yeah, me too. Sheila, yeah, are you the same. crazy? I am the crazy. Mike, what are you in a relationship? Are you the crazy or are you the, what's the other one? The, the boring. boring. I'm probably more the boring one, I would guess. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm the simple one. I am a good spouse. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I think the Wait, crazy that, one's a good spouse, too. They're just yeah, like a different like kind of spouse. Lots of. They're the kind of spouse that you always worry fun. about, you know, maybe some kind of knife fight in the middle of the night. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> I mean, you can't have two boring people or two crazy people. One time I was at the movie theater and we yelled monkey knife fight and there was a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> So, what? <laughs> yeah, it really did happen. Yeah, two like, crazy people. <laughs> two crazy people married ends up on Dateline, right? Or on yeah. Snap. <laughs> or cops. Yeah. So speaking of dysfunction, let us dive right into oh. Dr. Patel and her visit with our friend Dominic. Why is she so weird? <laughs> you felt she was weird this time. Yes. Well, Do she's tell. weird every time. But okay, don't know why I noticed this, but she like barely cracked the door open and like peeked out and was like, hmm. <laughs> like it was a haunted. And then she like went, she goes and she just stared at him and then she goes, come on in and she like weirdly opened the door like a smidge. Was it not an appointment? Like was he? Did he <laughs> just show up like I'm so confused she didn't want any of the kids to run it there you go I think that this entire session was a metaphor for how we're supposed to feel about the grandfather so we had only cracked the book by the time we okay. saw Patel right and then it was like she's gonna tell us in this you got to keep chugging okay. like it's hard stuff but you guys got to keep going so what did you think Sheila all, just heard all the different things that came out during Patel's visit here this was kind of a loaded conversation so you know so she was curious as to why like he kind of hadn't been to see Thomas in three months like we learned that it's been three months and you know he's doing his recuperation from his big fall you know so he's telling her about the book and everything like that and he's like you know it's it's a load of shit he's a son of a bitch he's violent he's abusive betrays his brother and then she's just like looking at him bewildered like but you wanted to know about this like and now you have this like first person narrative and you're like ready to toss it and she you know wants him to keep going but he's just like so reluctant. Mike, do you feel like that Dominic had like every right to be sort of squeamish just from the cold open? Do you feel like that was enough to sort of get the squeam going? Oh, yeah. I think Nedra for sure was right on that you're not going to like what you read here. As it turns out, I mean, she's definitely a crazy lady in that relationship, but he thought this was going to be some kind of great explain our family in the best possible light kind of revelation with a title as boastful as Domenico made it you would think it would have to paint him in the best possible light. And it's just the opposite. I, I think it was more for Dominic. His his squeamishness came, I think, from looking in the mirror. And this is what Dr. Patel tells him. You know, I think he is seeing a lot of himself in his grandfather. And I think that's really what's turning his stomach. What did you think of her advice that it may be shitty, it may be difficult, but there's still maybe value in it, that your mother gave this to you? Does that hold water in not only in this case, but just in general? Like sometimes it may be difficult to get through something, but there, you know, you may get something out of it in the end. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I'm a thousand percent that girl. Like I am going to like put my head down and go. Steph's been in situations where I'm like, power through people. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Let's <laughs> 10 more shots. <laughs> we can do it, ladies. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm going to power through. Yeah. Right. You may feel like shit tomorrow, Steph, but we can do it today. <laughs> I mean, if you've ever tried to build a shot wall, um, yeah, like on a tower, a, a tower. <laughs> you've got to, you've power gotta keep going. 
point. <laughs> cannot just give up. Now, I would say that for sure, Dominic is got to find out answers. I don't think that you can get over something and try to in any way process it without getting all the information, no matter good, bad, and ugly. You've got to get all the facts you possibly can and then process it in some way and and hopefully be able to grieve or whatever you need to do and then move forward. But I don't think the not knowing is a safe place for him to stay at all. All right. So thinking about that, thinking about the fact that, I mean, I felt like this was Wally Lamb speaking directly to me as the reader or as the watcher of the show and saying, look, you guys, this has been heavy. This has been hard. And I'm going to show you more things in Italy that are not going to be good, but it is going to somehow give us more information about Dominic and Thomas and where they came from. So you got to just go through this. So let's go through it a little bit, you guys. Mike, do you want to start us off with the Italian journey as I don't know if this speaks to your people. Uh, Vincenzo and Domenico are two shining beacons of the Sicilian hope. What's with the fucking monkey? That's not sanitary. How did he get on a boat with a little monkey? I mean, granted. The monkey was adorable wearing a dress. Oh my god, it was so adorable with this monkey dress. I want a I monkey did not frog. like the treatment of animals in this episode. Right? No. But I also was thinking to myself, this is why you have shit like plagues, you know, rummaging through uh, like little towns back in the 1800s and early 1900s because you let people bring their monkeys on a boat. That's yeah. not monkeys on a boat. Monkeys, monkeys <laughs> on a boat. It's like snakes on a plane, yeah, but yeah. monkeys on a boat. Okay, so here's the thing. This is the first time when I felt like I am going to call back to my English classes of yesteryear and say monkeys and bunnies again? Right? Question mark. Where have we heard that before? My little spider monkey, my little bunny. That's what mom calls the boys. Yeah. And so when I saw bunnies and I saw a monkey, which all seemed out of place. Right. I said, hold up, sisters and Mike. There's something (laughs) going on here. Well, with a monkey for me, I was remembering his morphine induced sort of like truck flashback thing. That's where the monkey was. The monkey hopped on his shoulder. I I took the monkey as the Thomas stand-in here. And Domenico is the Dominic stand-in. I mean, he literally kills him, weighs him down with bricks and throws him in a river. Mm -hmm. This this whole flashback scene was just a big metaphor for Dominic and Thomas in the present, I think. For sure. Absolutely agreed. And what makes me nervous about this is I I tried to put it through the like, all right, so this is the story of Domenico. And we are going to go more into this because I think we have to. But that part, are you ready to dive into like the fact that he like didn't take care of his brother and make, fulfill his promises? That Domenico got his brother killed because he wanted to quote unquote teach him a lesson. Oh my God, I was so upset. How about like this, that he thought, what if we rephrase that and say he got his brother killed because he thought he knew what was best? I think that is a very well, generous treatment of Domenico. Yeah. But I'm trying to think like bigger storyline. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about brothers and we're talking about doing things that you think you know is best, we've all been worried about like, what is Dominic doing when he's going to take, if he's trying to get Thomas out, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen with Thomas? Is he actually equipped to care for him? All the little puzzle pieces here that we've been working with, if we compare these two brothers, what did Domenico do? You know, he created a situation that he thought he could control, that he thought he knew what the outcome was going to be. And his brother ends up dead. Also, Thomas is the monkey. And then we have another situation on that bridge where the monkey ends up dead. My stomach is in knots, y'all. When Thomas said at the end that he wanted to go to the falls, that that made me very uncomfortable. Yes, very... I'm not... Not okay. Very dark. I don't think we're going to get like cement shoes in a in a oh. brown bag for Thomas, but I oh, think okay. we have to be very concerned that Dominic does not heed Lisa's warnings about how difficult this really would be. And when she calls him out for being an arrogant ass, he's as big a megalomaniac as Domenico was. I mean, the apple does not fall far from the tree. Yeah. You have to be very concerned for Thomas's welfare based on how this story played out today. Very so. concerned. Okay, you guys, let's delve more into Domenico's story because he does take up a good chunk mm-hmm. of this episode. What did you guys think of their journey over from Italy? Did this all feel realistic to stories that you guys have heard? Specifically, maybe you, Mike, again, as this is your family lineage. Hey, oh, wait, wanna be me? So my grandmother, I don't know much about my grandfather. He had died before I was born, well before I was born, uh, even though he is my namesake. But they both are, were first generation. They both came over here in uh, the late 20s. 
And my grandmother came off the boat. Uh, her description of it, it was it was like a cattle call. It was like being in a herd. But when she got here, she landed a job right away. I, I can't remember if it was lined up for her beforehand or she just got it when she was here. But I think she was 15 years old-ish. She went to work as a seamstress. And that's what she did for a career. She worked. I mean, she was still doing piecework in her 70s. That, and that was a trade she learned. I don't I don't know if she learned it there or she knew it from back home. The same way they were here and they were hired right away as dyers. And maybe the jobs were even lined up for them in Three Rivers. I mean, it seemed like they knew where they were going, right? My grandmother seemed to have a very similar experience when she came off the boat. A job was there for her and she was put to work. And that's that was the job she did for her whole career. Sheila, do you know your family's lineage coming to America? I do. This is what I do in my spare time, whatever spare time that is. Um, I do like ancestry, things like that. I had three grandparents from Ireland come through Ellis Island. My One of my grandmothers, she came here. She got a job. She was uh, about 16 or 17 when she came here to work. She got a job right away. She was a housekeeper, domestic servant, and it, she appears on several U.S. censuses. She was actually called home to Ireland to get married to my grandfather in a very arranged marriage. So I had three grandparents come to the United States, and three of them returned to Ireland. My parents actually came here as first-generation immigrants. So, so the stories that I've been told about like how they came over and things like that, my grandfather, he worked as a laborer. He was supposed to actually go to Buffalo. He had cousins there. So everybody had to like kind of like know somebody to come here. So your Ellis Island records always had like where you were headed. He didn't go there. He stayed in Manhattan. He was actually working in the Empire State Building. And then him, he met my grandmother here. They got married. They went back to Ireland. Yeah. So then my parents actually came here in the 60s as adults themselves. The way in which that they, you know, they got the, the factory worker job, that's definitely consistent with an immigrant, especially someone who maybe English wasn't his first language. You know, they were just basically set to manual labor. And, uh, you know, he saved up enough to to buy a house and that, that he was so proud of that. He was the first Sicilian landowner in Three Rivers. So he was very excited about that. So that, that did resonate with me as being very genuine. What did you guys think about the fact that he actually built the house with his bare hands? I mean, that house was huge. When he, when he was actually doing it, I was like, what the, like he had some skills. Like my people came over, they're all Lithuanian. Everybody came over. I'm um, like, I'm a hundred percent Lithuanian. It was my grandfather. That's as far back as I go. I'm not like multi-generation American. And we did not have those types of skills. I mean, we were coal miners. That's where we come from. <laughs> no monkeys came that I'm aware. I wish, because if we had a family line of monkeys, I would adore that. But no pets that I'm aware you, of. Your family not, would Not have so one. many monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Steph just said, your family would have a line of monkeys. And I would, because would. I would love my capuchins and or my little spider monkeys. I would love them. Yes, you would. But nobos are the best, though, because they're the sexual ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know a lot they, about monkeys. <laughs> I love bonobos, because they're like unapologetic about their sexuality. That's hilarious. I kind of love that. They're so fun. <laughs> All right, Steph. So what do you um, think? Did, were you surprised at these brothers' skills or lack of skills? And what did you think about, what do we say, Vincentio? Yeah, that's I can't say that, that right? Yes. You just said, you don't, she just said, I can't say that word. Neither can I. Can we call him Vinny? Is that okay yeah, with you guys? Yeah, Vinny. Vincenzo. Vincenzo. Okay. Vincenzo. Vincenzo. Steph, if I had a little red mark here on my inner <laughs> arm, what would you call that if I had to put like ointment on it and it was like bumpy and red what would you call that like a bite what if um, it was like caused by like medical tape and stuff like I call it oh, it starts with an r reaction rash so I say rash a rash I say rash <laughs> it's a whole thing anywho Vincenzo Vincenzo. Vincenzo. Okay. All right. We can do that. You're, you're um, adding like an extra vowel. I know. Vincenzo. Vincenzo. Like, like I'm going to say rash. Whatever his name is, he definitely has a spaghetti sauce named after right. him. That's definitely. one thing you can be sure of. Definitely. Domenico Dempesta. But I loved how much he said his own name. Yes. Dempesta. He's definitely full of himself. Oh my god. Oh my He's gosh. so full of himself. He, he had to have like an extra like sister to keep filling Ew. himself. Like, yeah. Oof. That kind of didn't what? really. <laughs> Wait, what? Like he had the extra what? sister. Yeah. I the extra sister. I, I oh. know what he was saying. He had to have two women. <laughs> he had to have two women steps over there. Like that makes good sense. No, I may not understand what Mike is saying. <laughs> oh, it's just you understand the words. I understand what he meant. Trying to act all, all cool, like I don't live those say the lifestyle exactly. I mean, I get it. Step right. step appreciation. She's like, if you're tempest, you need a second wife. Yeah, you need two ladies. Yeah, right. Keep things. Going. Oh my god. One for the Domenico, one for the Anafrio. 
I can appreciate that Domenico <laughs> had big ideas and big plans for his house, but I kind of didn't understand how working in a textile factory really allowed him to build such a huge house in what seemed like a short amount of time. Well, oh, see, idea. I think it actually took quite a while. I do too, I, I think, but I mean... He got yeah. old, right? Did it? That's what I'm saying. Like, how, I I old. really needed a little bit more, like, how much time was... How, so how much time do you guys guess? I mean, it had to have taken years to build that house by hand. I, I mean, would think. Especially on the salary of a Based textile. on my brick and mortar work right? stuff, that I mean, would have <laughs> taken me some time. That would have taken me a You know, years. I don't even know the right words, but I'm going to say, like, I'm a bricklayer. I'm a layer of some... I'm a layer of sorts. <laughs> So, I mean, I would say when I use my goo, it takes some time. Oh my God. That's all I'm saying. I like to get it wow. right. <laughs> it's going to take a while. How long do you think it took him to lay the pipe? Oh my God. Do you think he laid a lot go. of pipe? Or? Oh my God. Oh, come on. We walked it up into the edge. Well, like, Mike, you're That's disgusting. What I'm here for. You're absolutely How disgusting, Mike. How dare you? <laughs> I, there's a bonobo we monkey sitting on my shoulder ladies. encouraging me. Oh my! If gosh. there was a bonobo sitting on your shoulder, it'd be humping your ear because that's what bonobos do. Uh, that's what's happening. They're wily little guys. He's like, you have no idea. What Sheila's going to bring us back on track. Go on, I've, Sheila. Go I've, on. I've, I've done some math, right? Okay. okay. So um, Dominic and Thomas's mom was like 33 when she gave birth to them. That's sort of like the backstory. That was 1949. So she was born in 1916. Dad got here in 1901. So there was 15 years in between the time that he arrived and the time that his daughter was born. So I'm going to say that the house took several years, maybe five to seven years to build. Maybe five. Would you guys say it's common to exterminate bunnies like that? Not like that. Like that? No. 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 Why wouldn't you just catch them and relocate them? Well, I don't think you can eat the bunny also after you've, in, you know, made it in just glass. That seems like not safe. It just seemed very wasteful. I, my takeaway was from just showing us early signs of his like sociopathy. Mm -hmm. Agree. Wait, you guys, yeah. he what? ate glass? No, the bunny yeah, ate no, glass. No, the bunny. He he that's how he killed the bunnies. He, he, he smashed the glass. 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 You didn't see that? Y'all say it slower and not so yelly. <laughs> All three of you are yelling at me. He's, he's in order smushed. to get rid of the bunnies, yeah. he smashed glass into little pieces and mixed it in with the grass and then and then I had the bunnies eat the grass. Well, I didn't know the bunnies were so dumb to eat the grass to eat the glass. <laughs> I can't see. Well they didn't it. know. They're not they're not like me when I was a kid picking out onions for my salad. They're bunny fucking brains. bunnies. <laughs> so. Bunny brains. You know bunnies, they're not known for their smarts. Right. Good eyesight though. It's <laughs> Well, they but obviously not carrots, to not why. spot the, the glass and the in the grass. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the glass is probably see through. I don't think he was using colored glass. Colored. So yeah. So I mean, I think that's like sociopathic. Okay. Is that like an Italian like murderer move? Is to like smush up glass in your food? No. <laughs> oh, listen, no. your voice. Oh, no. 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 Oh, no. <laughs> I've never done glass that. in anyone's food. Gun guns and knives. No right? glass. Guns and knives. Guns and knives and cement boots. That's all we do. Game of Thrones teaches us that women use poison, right? So this is kind of like a shit move, right? He's kind of a cowardly man, yeah, right? Yeah. right? This is the kind of man he is, right? He's not the kind of man who's going to sit out there and learn how to shoot target practice with the rabbits. And I don't know, somehow that would be dignified, but he's going to trick the baby rabbits. I don't know. Yeah, what, and, and hand feed them the grass. Yeah. The thing with the poison in Game of Thrones is, yes, it's women that are portrayed as doing it, but also the eunuchs. It's considered a cowardly, effeminate way to go about it. This is the equivalent of that. Because he thinks himself a great, big-minded grandmaster. Like he's playing chess, and everyone else is playing bocce ball. But but he's not. He's just a coward. He's just a sociopathic coward piece of shit. Agree. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I mean, I think that, that I think the way that he goes about killing these animals is important because it is so cowardly is the only word I can possibly think. I think the monkey is in the same vein though, right? I mean, yes. yeah. yeah. If he wanted to kill the monkey, you think he just snaps the neck. That's what I was ready for. You snap uh, the neck and then you throw it. Just let the monkey go. If you're going to kill the monkey. Why you got to kill the monkey at all? Well, because he couldn't just let the monkey go because like everybody in Three Rivers knew that his brother Vincenzo had the uh, had the monkey. You guys, I just throw my hands up and be like, the monkey got out again, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I feel like that's a metaphor for something else, Carol? Uh, <laughs> whoa, Sheila. Whoa, lady. Really crossing the line there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Steph, if Caroline has let her monkey out, blink three times into the microphone. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I I like, oh, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> we don't know where to go with that. But I think the monkey is important, though, because of the the secretive steps that he takes to dispose of it. That's not how, that's not how a man proud of his actions who who is convinced he is doing the right thing in a way that's not shameful acts. You don't trick the monkey into the bag with the weighted things and then when no one's around, go throw it off of a bridge. I thought that the way that the monkey did the like did like the slice at the neck move with his hand and closed the <laughs> cage. The door, he's like, nope. Like he's <laughs> like, nope. he's like, monkey's not home. Monkey's not home today. <laughs> I mean, oh my God, that made me and love they, like, the monkey so much. He's like, come on. That made me love the monkey. Like I never uh. loved a monkey before. That's what I'm trying to say. It was wearing its little frock. It had sign language. It closed the door. Like I'm good in here. I'm good in my cage. I cannot believe that that poor monkey got killed. Like that. Well, doesn't it tell you that the monkey sensed what Mike was saying before about the, the sociopathy of Domenico? The monkey was just like, oh, fuck no. Well, you know that the monkey was was watching life. You yeah, know? yeah. Monkeys are smart. It's been around. He saw the he saw the glass get cut up and all of a sudden there were all these dead bunnies. Monkey sees everything. Monkey, monkey sees <laughs> everything. I'm going to make that bumper sticker. Monkey, monkey sees everything. <laughs> That's a warning and a promise. <laughs> Oh, my God. You guys caught us on a silly day. We are off the rails today. (laughs) Let's back up, though, because there was a great there's a great Easter egg here. And and I think it raises a question that we have to talk about. The fact that Vincenzo (laughs) and Mappy Drinkwater were acquainted with each other. And what's up with the Drinkwater fam? I think the question you have to ask is, is was there a little bit of Italian in Mrs. Drinkwater at some point? Are Ralph and Thomas and Dominic somehow distantly related god we're a mess people are like are they talking about i know this much is true right (laughs) (laughs) not today (laughs) it almost sounds like you've all got your hot sicilian blood up if Uh. if i didn't know any better (laughs) if i was lisa sheffer that's what i would say what a surprise it was to see nabby drinkwater sheila would you did you expect the drinkwater thread to weave back into our it had to have some sort of a play because like why spend the time on penny and their background and the history in school and things like that if there wasn't some something more to it. I was a little surprised, you know, to see it come back in this way, but it was like, oh, where is this going to go? Do you think that it stays at this point of it being like, well, Domenico's kind of like, you know, got a stink eye on Nabby. And so that's very similar to Dominic having a stink eye on Penny. Or would there be more than that, I guess? I don't know. I don't know where this is going to go. But, you know, obviously they're bringing Nabby into the story for some reason. Um, I think you do. But way to play it there, Sheila. <laughs> Full disclaimer, I read the book, so I am being very careful in what I say. Mm-hmm. Steph, what do you think? What do you think about Nabby Drinkwater? Is his like family line going to come in line with the Tempestas here or what? I don't know. I just thought it was like a side character. I think that it was being woven into deep. You didn't deep. think it's weaving? I feel um, the weave. I didn't Steph. think about it like that. I am. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling like the Drinkwaters, the way that Ralph came back in in this episode, and Nabby. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Especially, I think that's what Mike was trying to say, right? Mike, are you trying to say that, Mike? I was. I think it got all drowned out. Get I, in here, then. I, I think the takeaway has to be you're wondering whether or not there's like some family relation now, some distant cousin relation between Ralph and Thomas and uh, Dominic, right? I, I, that was my takeaway anyway. Now I'm thinking. Well, we got you know, twins. Are they related somehow? In both families. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I mean, I mean Vicenza was sticking it in. I mean, he, he, you know, he boned every single woman in, in Three Rivers. That's what we, yep. that's kind of what we heard. You know, I don't see why Nabby Drinkwater's wife would have been any different holding that little baby. Ah, I see what you're doing there. You know, it's one of those, you know, you have any Italian in you? Would you like some? Oh. Yo, that is my, that is my family's joke. That's not fair. She said, I that's my family's joke. <laughs> that was Vincenzo's opening line, I think, pretty oh. much everywhere in Three Rivers. Yeah. Or, would you like to see my monkey? You know, oh, I right? think he would alternate between those. Wow. wow. Yeah, he's got oh a lot of lines. Mike's wow. on a roll. Vincenzo, yeah, he's got a lot of lines. And plus, he was like, he was a charismatic little dude. I mean, he was like, I got a monkey. I see it, the liberty. It's at the liberty. I see her. Wow. That was really fancy. Wow. We're all astonished. Was that a Broadway actor? Stuff that just popped I in know. with that. guest stars appearance. Guest star appearance. <laughs> I love it. 
Okay, you guys. Paying for your women. Oh, my. I loved when he met the sisters. That was <sighs> the best part of the episode. Talk to me about this stuff. Were you I... surprised that he's going to Brooklyn to go buy his ladies or what? I didn't understand at first that he was buying them. I thought it was some sort of... I don't first they, of all, why did he say... They don't see it as buying. I know, but... This well, is like an we, old We get country. it. This is dowry business. We, we got right, it. But that's old country dowry, stuff, yeah. though. I mean, the South's got dowries, the too. Goat, the chicken. We know yeah. what yeah. The goat's the chicken. I get it. Know, I get it. Land. But, you know. I think the bigger surprise was that this wasn't arranged before he got on the boat. This is the kind of thing you think would have been worked out between the families beforehand, not once he got here. That was the biggest surprise for me. The idea that he had the, he knew pen pals to write to, he knew people to reach out to, all of that, that all struck as totally like a real thing to me. Well, they're cousins. They're cousins. That was bizarre. Loved when he met the first sister and he's like, what the hell? No, I'm out of here. And they're like, please don't leave. Please don't leave. We have another sister. (laughs) You'll like her. She's beautiful. Wide hips for your pleasure. For many babies. Like an early condom commercial. She's got wide hips for your pleasure and for bearing babies. (laughs) And I just like how she was already just pissed off. Like, what? No. Uh, what what was our time period here? Nineteen tens. So I feel like the idea of of like you said arranged marriages and people sort of that's not so far fetched at that time. You know, it's not a total shock that this is happening. But I just love how she was so fiery and like pissed off about it and like, look at you. Have you even seen yourself? Like, <laughs> who would want you? <laughs> but I died laughing when uh when Domenico told the first sister. <laughs> That she deserves an accordion player. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was dying. I was like, you guys, does that mean anything in your world? Because it means something in Lithuanian It world, does. So. I don't know. I just thought it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Like, my people all play the accordion. There's, like, a whole thing. Like, my dad has an accordion in the closet. Like, it's a thing. I grew up, like, remember those pogo balls where it's, like, a circle and it has, like, mm-hmm. the disc around it? I would hop on the pogo ball up and down the hallway when my dad played the accordion. Like, that's a thing. Like, I'm that Lithuanian. I'm that girl. Yeah, I'm a pogo hopping okay, accordion so dancer. That, so she deserves an accordion player. Is that good or bad? Because I thought no, it was it's, bad. It's I right. like accordions. It's bad. Yeah. Like Weird Al. Weird Al plays the accordion. He's right. Great. So I would say it like this. I'm not going to, I won't say that. Let's not say good or bad. Let's say it's more working class, lower class, right? Than businessman, business owner. Okay. okay? Like you're not, you're not that. You're, you're down but here. But neither you're, is Domenico. But he sees himself he as does. That's He's what I'm saying. He's got right. this mustache. You I see know. Stuff. That adds a lot of credibility yeah. right there. Yeah. The facial hair. I believe any man with a mustache. Don't you, though? Right? Always. Especially when they twirl them on the ends. <laughs> mm. Clearly, they're credible. Yeah. Yeah. That's very funny. <laughs> I just put it in my brassiere. It's sad, but it's true. Sorry. This is a hijinxy recording today. You guys, I really, really liked the sister who was spicy. Prosperina? Or Ignacia. I totally dug Ignacia because, you know what? That is the chick who would be in America right now. You know, like if you're a young woman in America right now, then you are like looking for opportunity. You're you're on the edge of like flappers are coming soon, very soon. There's like a whole sense of like independent woman with her. She reminds me of Nicole Kidman a la, what's that movie with the, hey, Irish lady, Sheila. Far and away. Far and away. Far and away, yeah. Tom Cruise's greatest role ever. Remember, she yeah, was like a away. spicy lady, right? And she was like, fuck all this. Yeah. Like, I got to be like strong. I got to be like a frontiers woman. I've got to like be able to do this. Like, right. She had her plan. She knew what she wanted out of her You life. have to be. Because if you're in America at this time, you didn't just happen here. You know, I mean, like for most people, you got to be here with a lot of a lot of spunk. I love the money comments. I love the garter belt stuff. Mike, that was hot business. A B. I thought it was just like put him in his place. When she said keep the change, it was just like, like you are like just hot biz. Hot Hot biz. I'm going to keep the change a bunch of people this week in honor of Ignacia. (laughs) Were you you guys surprised that the sisters end up going with? Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect the, you know, monkey witch Prosperina to be part of the bargain. But I think that, so 
Ignacia was like a stepsister. She wasn't like a full sister. And an ancestry hobbyist, like that is just like, oh, that's God, a hot why? no. Well, no, it's not a hot no. It makes it a little easier because it's not a cousin. What? Sheila. What are you sleeping with what? up there? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. You think it's better to like to marry a stepsister than a cousin? No, I don't want to marry anyone in the family. I'm saying, I'm saying any <laughs> amount of family is a hot no. Oh, well, yeah, but I mean, but like it's a stepsister, so it's slightly less on the creep scale. All right. I'll give you less on the slightly creep scale, less. but we're still hanging on the creep scale. Hell yeah. The fact that they go shopping at family reunions for brides is just... Bleh. Bad ideas, yo. And throw in the sister for good measure. Yeah. That is a classic Jeff Foxworthy joke, though, also. <laughs> if you go to family reunions looking for a date, uh, maybe I do believe there. that that that's, is where I got that from. For sure. Yeah, that's a classic. <laughs> Okay, you guys, so not so funny how he actually treats the ladies. This was a whole scene. I felt like as much as they were fiery and certainly had their, um, how do I want to say, they knew who they were and they knew what they wanted, this was still such a sign of the times that they had to put up with so much from him and be treated so badly. I don't know how you guys felt about the ripping of the dress scene, but I was pretty, like, cringed out. Like, I mean, obviously... No one should enjoy a scene like that. But I just felt like it felt so much grosser because I had re- I really loved her like as being this spicy, sassy girl. And the fact that she really couldn't get away from him really made me super sad. That's what makes it so much worse, though. Right. So she is this independent woman uh, in her soul. Right. She's this spitfire. She, she has this identity. But at the end of the day, she has no autonomy. She has no agency. She has to go get sold for her dowry and her chickens and whatever, because that's just what happened. And then when her husband finally has had enough of her mouth and he rips open her dress, that's the reality of the situation. It's always a bad situation. She was so broken by the system. You understood from the first minutes meeting her, this is the very last possible thing she wants to be. She doesn't want to be in the same room with this guy. She doesn't want to be married to this guy, let alone doesn't want to have sex with this guy. And so for this to happen to her, it it just seemed that much worse than an already horrible situation. I thought it was really interesting how they layered this idea of, of rape and or sexual misconduct with the 1990s Thomas situation and we also had, you know, the the 1910s Italy situation because it wasn't something until I looked back at my notes that I really was like, whoa, everything you're saying, Mike, the indignity of it all, the, the um, you know, this is a place you're supposed to be safe in some way um, and for someone to violate you um, in both in both situations felt like Wally does a good job as the author, you know, of continuously bringing us these like bookended moments, the curse you guys, the curse. Do we believe in curses? Do we don't believe in curses? Steph, are you guys like superstitious people? Do you- I'm not a superstitious person. I don't believe that someone can curse you and it affect seven generations of your family, like she said. But I do believe in this concept of sins of the father, this idea that you're ancestry and what happens in your past and your family does affect you. The sins of the father is a biblical principle too, which Thomas is talking about uh, atoning for these sins and, and paying retribution and paying the price for these sins. And so maybe that's the thought that maybe Thomas is in some way like paying, but may, and he doesn't even realize maybe for the sins of the grandfather. And would you look at it like, do you think that Dominic thinks that he's paying for the sins or like, just out of curiosity, like, who is paying for That's the thing. is, I think it just trickles down the generations. I think that, too, it's not necessarily what has to be. Just because your grandfather had anger issues, and you inherently have that, you can be the one to make the decision to change or to work on yourself. Or There's, again, sort of this nature versus nurture type of situation. But I do generically believe that what happened with the grandfather sort of trickled down to these generations. The fact that she said she like cursed his family for seven generations well it doesn't really look like the family goes on for seven it looks like there's sort of an end to this family tree the bloodline is still there though right yeah but dominic says she's cursed to dessa when he's talking to her and i don't really believe that he's like cursed irish people have very active imaginations and things like that you know stories storytelling and things like that but like curses no Grudges, yes. Hell yeah. You know, so like the sins of the father thing, like I, that did resonate with me because it's like, you know, you could be 
a child and, you know, things that your parent or your grandparent has done could resonate with other people. Be like, I don't like that person. I don't like that family because, you know, that Michael did something to me. Sorry, Mike. It's just like 14,000 Mikes. In my what family. did I do to you? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, like Michael is like, man is named Michael in my family. You know, so like, you know, you could definitely have some sort of like grudges against families for something that a grandfather did. You know, and also I do agree that there's sort of like traits that get passed down, like whether or not you know it or not. Because I've done such ancestry work and things like that, I found some records as I go back and it gives me some insight into some of my ancestors' personalities. And like my great-grandfather was, you know, was like an Irish rebel, like back when like Irish rebels were Irish rebels, you know, not like today. And I'm like, oh, I, I resonate with some of that feistiness. You know, there's definitely something to like the, the familial traits and the history of your family that I think does get passed down. Whether or not you're aware of it or not is a different story. You know, so like Thomas saying, you know, repenting for the sins of the father kind of thing is unbeknownst to him. Like he doesn't know the story. Right. But I think it's like in your sort of subconscious somewhere. I think people are affected by curses because they believe that they've been cursed, not because there is an actual curse. But for me, this whole thing resonates more just as genetics. I I think there's such a clear bloodline from Domenico to Dominic, and the sins of the father are literally being transmitted in those genes. Um, I did want to back up that one second, though, because I think it's an important thing to talk about the idea of him raping Ignatia. Uh, marital rape was an exception to the rape laws until 19 until like the mid 1970s everywhere in this country there was an exception that husbands were not subject to rape laws until the 70s that is disgusting that's insane and that's important to think about what he's doing to ignatia was not only probably common but was implicitly condoned she was chattel that's the the takeaway here and that and it's just heartbreaking I would like to think that we're completely past that, but I think that there's a lot of women today who feel like they're just supposed to go along to get along. They It might not look like this where your dress is ripped, but you certainly aren't, you know, a part of it. So I think that, that that's 2020, yeah. and I don't think that that is not implicitly implied that you're supposed to be with your husband. Can we talk about Padachi, the shoe man slash gynecologist, and how when it comes to Sicilian women, he's got to touch her to, uh, to, to figure out the baby? Come on. If she was Northern, he would have just done a vaginal, uh, you know, examination. But Sicilian women? No, nope. got to get the boobs. I thought that was hysterical. Can I go back to one thing that you just said about the curse and things like that? I think having learned about the curse gives Dominic a convenient sort of like excuse for like the woes that have bef- befallen his family and specifically him. I agree. I think it plays right into his, it's not my fault. It's someone else's fault. And I'm just being exactly. a victim here. So the big thing that I got out of that shoemaker part was really how much Domenico was willing to just hand over his wife to anybody who said anything, just the, just the whole treating her like property. Just, I don't, don't want to say how not intelligent he was, but he's not. How many men would, would say, oh yeah, that makes sense. You can do that to my wife. To see if she's having a boy. Yeah. I mean, I know it all comes back to the superstition part of it all. And, and certainly within my family, Lithuanians, we have a lot of superstitions. We don't do curses. That's not our thing at all. But we do have a lot of superstitions. Like we have a a, a horseshoe that you put over your door frame and you always put it with the open side up to catch the luck. Um, You know, things like that. We definitely have those little symbols and, and superstitions, but not curse. Curse does not exist in my land, at least didn't familially. How shocked were you guys that... The mom clearly passes away in childbirth here. Not at all, because it's super common, or like, oh my God, I didn't see that coming. Super common. Well, it just confused me based on we know that he had more children, and like, I don't think that that was Dominic and Thomas's mo- mother. It is, yeah. Yeah. Didn't, like, in my head, I thought, okay, well, then he has a n- more children with a different woman and, or the sister or whoever. I wasn't sure. I mean, obviously, Prosperina is still around there, so we don't know, you know. Well, because she had the cleft lip bit, and I didn't see that on the mother, so I just assumed it wasn't her without giving it too much thought. When you see her, not every single time, but like you had to go back and look carefully. They they did like impose, like they did through makeup. They oh, okay. did put like a little like cleft scar thing. She didn't live with like a cleft palate. But uh, you can definitely see it at different points. Like if you look carefully, a scar there. I wasn't surprised that the Ignazia passed away, like technically, but I was 
surprised by, okay, well, is that the grandmother? Like, I was a little bit confused. For me, the uh, interesting takeaway is he's his wife covered in blood. And his first question is, is it a boy or a girl? Oh, I think that tells you everything about. you need to know. Yeah. Yep. Out of all these flashbacks, yeah. I think that says it all. And I loved that the fucking rabbits returned at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that did feel like revenge. <laughs> he routinely disposes of these nuisances in his life. Which scared me about carrying the baby outside and yes. seeing the bunny. Because oh, of how he described her, too. Right. I mean, he said she was pitiful and who could love such a thing? Like, I mean, this is bad all around. So I'm thinking, okay, either... He just, like, disposes of her. We know nothing about their relationship, so maybe he's not even around. We know the manuscript gets with her. But the fact that he was holding her to me said that, you know, like, he was accepting of something. Because, I mean, if he was really, like, going to abandon the baby, I don't think he would have even given the baby the time of day. Like, I think the fact that he was holding her signaled something. Some sort of love. I don't know. It's hard to use that word and him in the same sense. My worry about him having a daughter, one, is we see how he treats women and how he thinks about them. But also when Ignacia says that line, the Lord needs to protect the child that is with you. All I could think about was Caroline's prediction from like the episode one about the yeah. incest plot line. I mean, that came roaring back to me with a vengeance when Ignacia says that line and knowing how he feels about this baby and women in general. This baby almost seems like another opportunity for him to have a boy. Like as gross as that is in Domenico's brain, I, that was like the first thing I thought of for him. Obviously, he's not above family <laughs> based on his picks for wives, but I think this is just another opportunity for him to you know, continue his legacy because that's all he cares about. And I mean, I guess if we look at him, there's not a lot of choices, right? Like he already paid money t- for these two women. And so he either has the, the monkey witch sister. I'm not saying this is a good choice in any way, but, uh, but then the idea of his own daughter, you know, like, I mean, this is all terrible, but you guys, but like, if you put yourself in the Dominical weird brain space where he can't even understand that the shoemaker should not be touching anyone's boobs. <laughs> like, it's like his mind is not very sharp, right. you know? And so I just yeah. don't know what, if he can think his way out of the situation, you know? I'm just hoping that the baby becomes sort of like a, a redeeming quality for him. I don't know. Like, you know, having a child is very transformative. So I'm hoping that that has some effect on him. I, I think at the end of watching this whole baby plot line and, and watching these flashbacks, I came back to one of the first thing he says at the beginning of the episode when he talks about how him and his brother Vincenzo were <laughs> conceived in hell. Yeah. And and talking about the great lessons learned from that experience. I mean, one, how fucking boastful is this guy? But the whole conceived in hell seems like that's the kind of thing that generationally would have proceeded down the line. You know, I'm sure Dominic probably thinks about his life in a very similar way. You know, all, all of the things he's had to overcome to be the great man that he sees himself as. Okay, so that pretty much finishes out the Domenico's plotline. Do we think we come back to that in episode six? Or do we feel like, are we going to be given more answers? I think it continues because it ended with obviously the birth Mm -hmm. of Ma, Constantina. So I think we have to see a little bit more to see how despicable he becomes. Or not. (laughs) I'm hoping not. Right. You know, Dr. Patel specifically asks him a question about Ma later in her life in the book. And he says, pointedly, I'm not there yet. Kind of like people who are reading along with the book for this show. You know, maybe they're not up to that section yet. But uh, yeah, I I think there has to be more of it also, because that's where it's going to get real sick and twisted, where he's going to learn about his his actual father and stuff like that. Oh, great. All right, you guys, so let's move into present day. We have a lot going on here. We have Dominic getting this call from the drink waters, right, from Ralph, and being told that that he needs to get Thomas to a doctor and that he needs to do an HIV test. What did you guys think? You know, in terms of like Ralph, this this was sort of par for the course. Like he's been looking out for Thomas. I initially wasn't sure where it was going. Was he doing it? for Thomas's benefit? Was he trying to stir the pot with Dominic? I wasn't sure where it was coming from, but I do feel that Ralph has always had a good sense about Thomas that he, you know, he's really looking out from whereas like Dominic, he'd be like, hey, that asshole can go fuck himself. Just the way it kind of all came about was just just a little shady. He's like calling at night, obviously, you know, it's like, how do you think I get this thing? I'm the janitor. Does the end justify the means, I guess? But, you know, he is looking out for Thomas, however much he hates Dominic. Right, right. No, I just took away that he was looking out for Thomas and noticing something that wasn't right and just trying to sort of not get in trouble, but let Dominic know like, Hey, you know, check it out and make sure everything's okay. So I thought he was being like genuine and, and actually caring about Thomas. 
As far as having Thomas tested and having to take blood from him, and I think, you know, Lisa said, remember what happened last time? Like, I, uh, I was cringing at that, but that's me and my son. Like, anytime we have to do dental work, it is kind of like that. Like, it is horrible. I mean, it's literally like me sobbing as I'm like holding my son down going, it's okay, you're okay, it's fine. Like, because he's that upset. And so that, ugh, I hated watching that part just because that's like, it is what it is and it's horrible. And it's the only reason you're doing that is because it's for, the, for their benefit. Like, I would never put my child through that if I didn't absolutely have to. And so it's horrible when he needs like, a medical procedure. I'm like, no. Do you, do you think that that explains maybe why he had such and uh, he seemed almost angry when the doctor tells him the test comes back negative? Yeah, it, it's just so like much. A, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he seems really angry. And I, at first I was like, why the fuck? And like, did he want him to have BHIP positive? And then, then I started, no. then I realized I was like, no, think about what he put him through to get yes, that test done on Ralph's advice. Yeah. I mean, we're in the yeah. same boat. I mean, obviously Lauren is deaf blind. And for us, I, I can't even say you're okay. You're okay. You know, I signed right. it to her, but I like can't, she can't see them coming. She doesn't know what's happening you know i can't explain it and i and there's no good way to explain we're doing a blood test to see if you have something that's like it's invisible to our eyes like there's no concept for me to explain this so the whole thing is just like you've got to trust me that mom is doing something that you need to have done and it, it is heartbreaking i mean i go into something like a dentist appointment in like a workout outfit knowing that i'm going to sweat from head to toe and i'm going to be like it's going to be like wwf i actually have to have my husband take yeah. time off of work and come with me because i cannot physically hold him down and nor can I bring myself to put that much force on him. It would take my entire body weight to hold him down and I just can't do it. So for me, I protect the relationship between her and her helpers. I need to protect that trust. Mm -hmm. And so she trusts me more on a deeper level that she will love me the next day and I don't want to break the bonds that she has with people outside the family so I never ask for outside people to help but yeah that's a real thing you guys for from the from that POV that's that was very accurate yeah. and painful and and hard when you when it does come back negative and you're like we didn't have to do it in the right. first place I mean it is very hard I mean real quick what did you think about Dominic when he's unloading on Lisa in his kind of vitriol storm, he kind of queer shames her. Did you guys pick up on that? Where, where he says to her, you'd have any of your friends tested in a hot second. Basically, you know, think he was kind of, you know, accusing her of being gay, like that was something bad and making like a commentary on a casual sex lifestyle, which was a rampant thing in the early 90s with HIV and AIDS. It made my head tilt, though. I was like, that's sort of like a real fucking party foul. And the fact that she's completely silent. I think she was like really kind of whiplash smacked by it. Did you guys pick up on that at all or no? I heard it, but I didn't hear it necessarily as a gay thing as much as like a you would look out for your friends. You would for look yours. out for your people. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah well, your own. only, but, only but because he says your friends and he says these days. Yeah. No, I, I hear what you're saying. I just didn't hear it in the moment that way. But, but that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, obviously. And 1990 was still early enough that people were still very afraid of HIV. They didn't understand it the way that they do now. You know, I think like AZT and like some of those first like antivirals were only just starting to come out. It's a very uh, powerful, you know, word back in 1990. Even when rent comes out in 1995, which was the first time I think a lot of people were exposed to AIDS and people living with it and stuff, it was still fearful. You know, it was still mm -hmm. this thing to be feared, like you could catch it like a cold. I remember it from Golden Girls, like from like Rose could have had it because she had had a blood transfusion. And then Sophia won't drink out of her coffee mug and the same mug and all this kind of stuff. So I remember it being exposed to the idea of that and what it all meant during that time period. It was topical. It made sense for the storyline that this would be a concern, especially in a prison environment, certainly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Were you surprised, Steph, that they were successful in getting the report? Ralph, he has all the keys, so he can go get it, or he can make a copy. I, I was curious that he helped him that far. I thought it was in keeping it with Ralph looking out for Thomas that he would make the initial call. Got the impression that he wanted to keep his interaction very limited. So the fact that he agreed then to go risk his job and get the report made me write my notes. Why is Ralph helping? Because it seemed like he was very much helping Dominic here. Mm -hmm. And it just made me suspicious, you know, because we know he does not like Dominic. Well, wouldn't and it I don't be easy to, for the authorities to, to trace that back to, to Ralph? Ralph, like getting that report? Like, that, wouldn't that be kind of easy to figure out? Only if the authorities were ever involved. Well, and Dominic's not going after money. I mean, I think if, 
if he was suing them for millions, then yeah, that would be a bigger deal. But he's like, I don't care about your money. I just want him out. Right. Well, I think that's why he he left uh, Saul, the lawyer, and he went to <laughs> Leo with the black man. Because like, he, he wasn't pursuing money. He really just wanted to leverage this into getting Thomas released from Hatch. Right. Which, which, what a twist. I mean, did you guys see this coming? I mean, I know all of us were sitting there thinking, okay, the hearing's already happened. We're stuck in here for a year. There's no chance he's ever going to get out. Did anybody see this as like a crack that could possibly happen that would be an opportunity to get Thomas out? Did anyone see this coming or was this like a total twist? I'm actually happy that they came back to it because I think if they were going to come back to Thomas, which I think last week we talked about how it felt like they were done with the Thomas part of the story and we were going to move on to some other aspect of Dominic's story. If they're going to revisit it, I thought narratively this was an interesting way to do it, you know, that that the idea of him maybe being raped in the middle of the night, like he's been saying all along, wasn't completely fabricated or so off base. You know, I like whenever Thomas gets proven to to be more present than people give him credit for. And, and so this almost seemed like one of those times. The way that it came about wasn't a happy, but it was a happy twist. Like, you know, Thomas gets out, you know, Dominic gets what he wants. And he thinks that this is like what's best for Thomas. The story needed something to kind of uplift you. But I don't know if this is definitely like a happy twist, but it definitely needed something to bring Thomas back into the story relevantly. I sort of was leaning towards the like blessing in disguise kind of thing. But then also, is it a blessing? I don't know. But it's like it's a blessing in that he gets out of there, which we know is a bad situation. So at least the part where he gets out feels good. Although, you know, I got to say, when they're standing out there and they're talking about, you know, hey, how are we going to celebrate? And he's like, celebrate what? I was like, oh, God. Oh, the look of fear on Thomas's face when he's standing at the doorstep of Hatch is just it's like palpable. The idea of you're free, the idea of you have freedom now probably hasn't been his reality since he was 20. Very true. true. Yeah. Yeah. The the idea of you're free, you know, Dominic is is putting his own thought and personality on top of Thomas when he's saying that. What I did not like, and I don't know how you guys felt about this, was the smug as fuck look that he gives Lisa, like he like the cat that just ate the canary when they're standing outside and he's being released. He Mm. was he was just too smug by half looking for me, and I'm glad that she smacked him down. I'm glad that she gave him the warning and told him he was arrogant. Yeah, he can't he cannot hear that enough that he is way too arrogant for who he is. This entire part plays into like what Steph and I talked about at the very beginning about all of our fears of dealing with the government and institutions and any type of even public school for that matter. Any time in which we turn over our the care of our children into other people's hands and our and our kids are not necessarily capable of telling the full story of what happened for both of us. It, it had, it's in different ways, but, and I have been on the receiving end of reports and, and bruises and pictures and, and things that came home and realizing what was happening. And it is terrifying. And I mean, is what it ended all of our time at public school. And I can say for my husband, definitely broke him in a big way because on the last day that she went there, she did not want to go into school at all. And he picked her up and carried her in. And so he felt like he like delivered her to the people who were like hurting her. And in a way that just, you know, I mean, he thought he was doing the right thing, you know, and, and then afterwards was like, I can't believe I like did that. And like that, that you don't know when to listen to your loved one and when to say like, oh no, this is something is drastically wrong here. And to stop listening to all the adults who are telling you that nothing's wrong, that this isn't happening. This isn't, this isn't true. Not unlike this, where it was like a lot of security cameras, but not quite, but you sort of got it, but not quite. I mean, ours was much the same. Someone was always behind a pillar. There was always a, something you couldn't, you couldn't, the security footage wasn't good enough despite cameras and classrooms and all that kind of stuff. So always left with like a, uh, all of this is real. All of this is very, you know, realistic to what families go through. And when you come out the other side, you have that victorious feeling of like, yeah, I got out. And then what am I celebrating? What the hell am I celebrating? What now? Yeah. What am I supposed to do? And, And what trauma did we all just experience celebration doesn't seem like the right word. Right. So that was all very relatable. Maybe relief. Relief. Celebration. Relief. I think you're right on that front. Let's talk about Leo playing the lawyer because that was some comic relief that I felt like this episode really needed. As our resident lawyer, Mike, do you want to weigh in on that? I mean, so much about being a lawyer is about how you present yourself. It's the truest profession of fake it till you make it. So even if you're not a lawyer, 
you can play one convincingly on TV or in front of a to a doctor. It's, it's all about how you carry yourself. It's all about your confidence in a situation. And Leo's got that in spades. Used car salesman and lawyer very much related. They are the cousins of professions. That's super funny. So I went with my friend who was doing a contract with someone and I just was myself. And at the end, they were like, so you're her lawyer? <laughs> it's like, no. But I just had like a lot of like very blunt questions. I wanted answers about how this was going to work exactly. So I feel you, Mike, and you must be annoyed that people fake to be you. <laughs> I mean, there are days where I'm barely a lawyer, so I don't. I mean, it totally, it's totally fine People with me. People fake to be teachers all the time, and I put up with it. I'm playing a teacher right now. So. Yeah, you two are faking out. To, yeah, all three of you are faking teachers. I'm trying to fake it till I make it here. <laughs> I have a poor Please, child. It's like scarred for reach life. Reach out to to licensed educators. We will help you. We promise. The class action guy, he's like, I mean, just dollars I'm uh, flashing. I'm like, he's like, oh, this is gold. Can gross. you get in touch with the other fam- other victim's family? Yeah. No, I want to get my own damn brother. Are up. you in touch with them? As if like, yeah. yeah, sure. Me and the other prisoners' families are hanging out at the picnic. Like, what are you talking you know, about? We get, we get together after family meeting time. You know, uh, oh, my God. All of this, it felt realistic, though. Yeah. You know, for a plot twist that could have been really far-fetched, this actually played out. Very realistically. And the way that they just let him go, mm-hmm. like, oh, guess what? We had an executive session and you're good. And let's go. Yep. That's how it looked like with us with public school. I was like, she has to be in and true and officers and stuff. And then shit happened. It was like, oh, you're cool. Here you go. And anything you need, just call us. We'll send you materials in the mail. Talk to you later. Like, mm-hmm. Bye. it was exactly like that. Uh, no harm, no foul. Talk to you later. Let me just ask you guys this. How unrealistic do you think Dominic's expectations are? for what the next step is when he's like want to go to mcdonald's want to go want to go see ray where's his headspace i I think he's just trying to like he says celebrate but he's just trying to do something nice for his brother at this point like okay what do you want to do now like here you are Uh, it is sort of like after you traumatize your child at the dentist you're like okay you want some ice cream like (laughs) i just felt like he was at that place of like okay what can i do right now to sort of make you feel better right. where's the right place to go after prison mcdonald's i'm not sure you want to go watch, watch tv what you feel like I, he's got no fucking idea what he just agreed to none mm, he, right. he's the he's the uncle who agrees to babysit and he comes over and the parents are like okay well this might happen and this might happen and this might happen but in the moment the uncle is like ah the kid's being quiet this is an easy gig and then 20 minutes later, shit hits the fan and they have no fucking idea what's going on. <laughs> That's Dominic right now with Thomas. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So there was one more element here that I do think is going to be like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Dessa. Yeah. Sheila, talk to us about Dessa and how she played back in in this episode. So she just kind of, what, dropped by with some meatballs? Like, I yeah. don't know. She's was, bringing uh, the meatballs, Sheila. Turkey meatballs. Mmm. Heart healthy. Like, is it like a metaphor for something else? I don't know. No. Is no. it? Um, is it? You know... <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to tell you after the next sauce episode. And um, meatballs. She brought the sauce and some meatballs. I think um, they say yeah, like so ragu or something of else, Steph. They don't even say so. Do they say? I don't know. Who are they? They? <laughs> Do you, Mike? Do you they? say other words than sauce or you say sauce? You're, you're, you're hardcore Italians call it gravy but i just say sorry. what yeah. the gravy. shit you've blown our minds yeah some people call it gravy some people call it sauce yeah and it depends on where you're from the sunday meal of gravy oh fuck but yeah. then that's confusing that's sure. so we have white gravy and brown gravy but and, but yeah, you're no, talking yeah. about this would be red sauce no, the, the italians have the red red gravy <gasps> and then when you go to yeah. a Mexican restaurant and they ask you if you want the gravy on your enchiladas, that's a that's different, a different gravy. gravy. Yeah, good <gasps> call on that. Good call, Steph, on the yeah, extra gravy. I know, talk. right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> this gravy talk is the hottest talk of the podcast <laughs> exactly. so far. Like gravy, fact or fiction? Can we, just real quick, only because of the meatball thing, were you surprised that he's like on charity? Like even Ray is having to bring him food, tuna casseroles at home and stuff. Like Dominic is just living this pitiful homebound lifestyle. I thought the meatballs were a front. Oh, the meatballs were a front, Steph. <laughs> but he had said earlier to Dr. Patel, though, that Ray, that people were dropping by food, including Ray with the tuna casserole. Right. Like I Ray think was that yeah. Ray calling and then Dessa mentioned she's talking. And then so I think, you know, we said last episode or the one before that something's up with Ray, like he's going to the doctor. So I think 
they're trying to sort of like feel Dominic out like we kind of need to talk to him. So it isn't about caring about Dominic. This is about getting Ray's issue in front of Dominic. Maybe. Yeah. I feel you. And also, the if the meatballs came in two small, round dishes separate. <laughs> <laughs> With a little, like, Tupperware button With on like the like a carrier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. We know mm-hmm. what that girl's up to. She needs a backup plan. That's what that girl needs. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that she looked like she had been crying. She looked like she had been some- through something. And then we find out with the stakeout with Leo that she's been having, you know, she's splitting with her husband. I thought that was a nice dropping the Easter egg kind of before that. You could see that she was she was there for Dominic and willing to talk to him and stuff. But uh, the, uh, her face looked like something else had been going on. He, so, yeah, like she needed but- to get away from something else. You guys, mm-hmm. I felt so hopeful about the possibility of Dessa and him, and him getting back together. And then at the same time, his treatment of her made me so sad and disappointed. The the ripping the manuscript out of her hand. I, I understand that it's that it would be, of course, embarrassing and, you know, humiliating, maybe even stronger that, you know, his family would have such sad past history that she could glance down and read but at the same time like why are you going to treat somebody like that you know and when she was like yeah and she brought you food and stuff like that like she didn't have to be there come on well he said it to joy though right he should not be with anyone he is a monster who should be alone did he call himself he a monster or are you calling him a monster he called himself a monster he called himself basically a monster when, when when he was breaking up with her in the hospital with joy their final interaction when he was saying that he was like damaged goods and he was like i'm a monster yeah you're better off that the baby's not mine. Let the let the line die with me kind of thing. Well, so, okay. I think we're on to predictions, I think, here. So we have the Dessa storyline, since that's fresh. What do we think is going to happen there? Are they, we have the last episode where all, all the ducks are in a row for them to get back together, aren't they? Or at least a friendship? Or are we feeling like they're getting back together or not getting, those are your three choices. They're the get back together romantic couple they're good friends and they actually stay in each other's lives or no, this is, it just happens to be what's happening right now, but they're going to move past each other. And hope that they're, they can be friends. I don't know if I, I don't know if they can get back together. Mike? They fuck, but they don't get back together. <laughs> in, in the baby's room or not in the baby's oh, room? Sh- <laughs> to twinkle, twinkle little star, Sheila. Over the meatballs. Oh, jeez. <laughs> they're smearing grape. <laughs> See, she got it, Mike. Gravy. <laughs> I can learn. I'm a lifelong learner. <laughs> Look at me. I'm learning. <laughs> Made something and the little kid goes, and I helped. Like with Wesson. Oh, it's shaking yeah. bacon. I and helped. I helped. That was me. That's what I just said. <laughs> and I helped. I can learn. All right, Steph. Together, not together. I'm going to vote friends. We're voting friends. I feel like I want to be a dissenter because I just feel like they've set this all up. I mean, God, they made us spend the time with Leo. Ooh, she's breaking up with her husband. Ooh, I mean, they could be friends and she could have a husband. I don't know why you got to break up the marriage unless unless you got to make room for daddy. <laughs> right? So I'm thinking he's got to slide in there. That's where I'm going. And into the DMs. There you go. Sliding right into Dessa's DMs. That's where I'm going. Drink waters. Coming back in on the scene, not coming back in on the scene. What do we think about that? Mike, what do you think? Coming back in. We're not done with the drink waters. Sheila? They're not done. They're coming back. Steph? Okay, I'll say they're coming back. <laughs> Steph, oh, pressure. Like, Peer pressure. Uh, I think so. And Mike, going back to what you said about it made it worse that she was like a, a fiery girl and all that stuff with um, with Ignacia. I feel like there's something about that with Penny. If it turns out that they are distant cousins, it adds the layer bad there. So Thomas and Dominic... I mean, our, our, our brothers, what do we think? How are we going to end up on this? We had the monkey metaphor. We had the bunny metaphor going on right from the start. Is Thomas going to survive this six episode series or not? Sheila? It doesn't look good for him. No, he does not make it out alive is my guess. I don't know how. I don't think it'll be a straight, put him in a sack and throw him off a bridge, but I, I don't see him making it out alive. No. Steph? I'm worried if we go back to the falls that we're going to lose Thomas. They've done an awful lot to set up the falls as the suicidal place, a place where people go. That that all feels awfully bad, you know, and the monkey over the bridge, to me, that was final nail in the coffin for me. So I'm very sad about that because, again, Steph and I have related a lot to being caretakers. I know, Sheila, you as well have related a lot to feeling like that caretaker role of someone who has any kind of extra needs. And so certainly we don't want that to be the ending for Thomas. But at the same time, we can all see that Dominic is in over his head. So I, I don't know how he's suddenly going to come around unless Dessa comes in and maybe can be some support system. That's a possibility. But it doesn't feel good, you guys. And Ray, 
are, are we feeling that Ray's got some sort of really big issue here? Is he passing away? Is there going to be something coming here? It feels like something is building. I mean, with if him. he does, though, how do we have enough time for that storyline to add back in? I just don't feel I like. I can't believe we just have one more episode. Mike, what do you think? Ray passing away? Is he going to give us. Are we going to find out who the dad is? Yes, he's passing away. Yes, we're going to find out who the dad is. Anybody have any guesses on dad? Is it Ray? Is it grandpa? Is it someone else? I don't think it's Ray. I'm going to have to say it's probably the grandpa, unfortunately. Mike? After this episode, I've come full circle to the grandpa idea. <laughs> grandpa feels right, but also <laughs> I'm I'm going to try to stay open because I always said that Ray... Does grandpa feels right? Oh, <laughs> it no. so wrong. It feels Yikes. wrong, but also You right. went there. Oh, Sorry, God. you guys. Grandpa also <laughs> had some grief for me to serve up. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, listeners, it took us five episodes to get to the point where we could actually laugh through some of this um, just yeah. because it was it was a lot but I think that we finally were putting together some puzzle pieces and when you can get some metaphors going here and some layering I think we we found our footing as a foursome I would say and we're able to find a little a little humor in some of these moments so thank you guys so much for listening this is Caroline this is Steph this is Sheila and this is Mike thanks for listening to the I know this much is true podcast thank you for listening this has been an original pod clubhouse production Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.